Life Experienced will begin right after this. Life is made up of experiences. Experiences shape our perspectives and allow us to pass along knowledge. In this podcast, I sit down with listeners like you and find out that no matter who you are, everyone has a story to tell. I'm Ethan Smith, and this is Life Experienced. This week, we pick up where we left off in the last episode with Lieutenant Alex Kriegel of the United States Navy. Alex had many stories and experiences to share, so today we'll hear some more of his fun and humorous stories from submarine life. We'll begin with some of Alex's further elaboration about life in cramped quarters. When you're you're underway, you'll be assigned, if you're an officer, to an officer stateroom. And so... That sounds nice. Oh, a stateroom must be big. So this thing is like the size of a closet. And okay, we'll say a walk-in closet, but it it's not just for you. It's for three officers. So you've got three officers in there and you have these pull-down desks that officers can do their work on and you sit a little laptop there. But really all three people can't stand in the room at the same time. It's that cramped. I mean, if you are, you guys are practically hugging each other. And so those three officers um, were, were in this, this main officer hallway where there's three staterooms and then one bathroom. So the bathroom has one toilet, one urinal, one shower, and one sink. And so not only is this bathroom shared, or, or the head, the head in, in nautical terms, not only is this head shared by those three staterooms, but there's also a nine-man bunk room that is across the hall. And so when you when you count them all up, um, there's about 12 or 13 people all sharing that one head. So uh, it can get pretty gross in there. And this is, I think it should be said that this is a Los Angeles-class submarine that I was on. I was stationed on the USS Houston SSN 713 Los Angeles-class submarine. So not all submarines are like this, but this is like mine. So sleeping quarters gets pretty cramped. On my first half of deployment, which was back in 2015, we did a Western Pacific deployment. Can't really go into much further than that. Sure. Um, I was in the nine-man bunk room for the beginning of that. And there's eight-hour watch rotations. So... Think of you divide a 24-hour day by three, eight hours. So there's three watch sections. So there's always one watch section that's asleep. So it'll be dark and nine-man. And one of my buddies, um, Sam, he wanted to become a Navy SEAL after he was done with his, his first submarine tour. And so he was always working out. So working out on a submarine consists of one treadmill that's broken 80% of the time, <laughs> uh, one set of dumbbells, and maybe a pull-up bar that you'll stick up in the engine room and a bike, um, a stationary bike. So Sam would go and work out on these things almost every day. And he would come back into the, the nine-man bunk room, and there's nowhere to let your clothes dry. We, our storage is just our, our racks, our beds will lift up, and you have a few feet of space in there that you can stick stuff. And then there's one communal closet 
but that was for our dress uniforms for when we returned back from deployment. So he'd go and work out, and then he would leave his just disgusting, <laughs> sweaty clothes hanging from the closet. And the closet is right next to the door that you walk in, and you have to really shimmy over to your, your rack. So pretty much you know, all eight of us in Nine Man other than Sam, we would shimmy in in the middle of the night, and you could just feel this disgusting, <laughs> wet, felt like an eel just slapping you in the face. And you'd be like, oh my gosh, like, Sam, again, seriously? And you turn on the light, and there you'd see a pair of underwear that your face was just in as you were sliding in. So you'd have to go wash your face off and, you know, find Sam and be all mad at him, yell at him, like, hey, what are you doing? And then, of course, the next day, it just happens all over right. again. So you just get completely used to it. Um so the, the sleeping quarters are extremely, extremely tight in there. Uh, but not as tight as for the enlisted guys. So the enlisted guys have pretty much their own... Um, it's almost like a barracks underway. There's a lot of racks in there, and they're all stacked three high. And so the enlisted guys, especially the lower-ranking ones, they have to do what's called hot racking. And that's where there's three guys assigned to two beds, two racks. So one guy will be on watch, and then the other guy could be up and about um, working, doing maintenance, something like that, while the third guy's asleep, and then they'll rotate through that. And they all have to share the, the storage space of those, um, those racks. So it can get pretty, pretty cramped for them. And there's nothing like having a conversation with a grown man who's been working in the engine room and sweating and getting disgusting and greasy and oily who just he's like pig pen from the peanuts you know they walk around and there's just this cloud of dust right. and disgustingness uh, and then they won't take a shower and they'll just go straight to sleep and then they're after he goes on watch the next guy gets in the bed and it just smells like man stank um there's nothing like having a conversation with a grown man being like hey you you have to shower after you sweat and <laughs> you know, work in the engine room. Oh, of course, sir. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> so that, that stuff like that will happen uh, quite frequently. Alex also took the time to describe how meal times on the submarine could be interesting. So from the officer's perspective, um, meals are also an interesting time as well. So, my deployment lasted six months total. You'll be underway for about two months at a time, then you'll pull back in for a port call. So once you go underway, uh, you start running out of you know eggs and milk and fresh fruit and vegetables after a week or two. And you can see the morale decline as vegetables and fruits start <laughs> expiring. And they start replacing it with, you know, powdered eggs and powdered milk and yeah. just that sort of disgusting stuff. So breakfast really goes from the best meal at the beginning of deployment to the worst meal when everything's <laughs> just fake. So in the wardroom, um, the captain, he sits at the, the head of the table. So he has the rank of a commander, but we call him captain. He's the commanding officer. So he sits at the head of the table and he actually has the only chair that has armrests. Just fun fact. The rest of us, we sit on the side of the table, but we're not allowed to sit down until the captain has entered the wardroom and given permission for us all to sit down. Uh, so it's a very formal meal. 
once that's happened. The discussions aren't necessarily formal, but just the way it's organized, and you pass it around family style. And then nobody can have a bite until the, the captain takes his first bite. And you have to request permission to leave when you're done. Um, and then if you're going on watch, you have to brief the captain as to what you'll be doing. Uh, the enlisted side of that, however, they, they eat out in cruise mess. And so it's more of a cafeteria style where they go in and they can choose what they want, put it on a plate, and then they go and sit down and they can sit with their buddies. Um, but you have to eat pretty quick because the offgoing watch team, who you're most likely relieving if you're eating, um, you want to get to them so they're not just stuck on watch and they can come back and can eat as well. So a big line will form. They're kind of shuffled in and out of the uh, the cruise mess to, to eat. But when you're in the wardrobe meeting, it's a little bit more, you have conversations and you discuss uh, tactics and all that sort of stuff. So it's a little bit more more formal in there. I asked Alex about the chain of command and the ranks of submariners. As it turns out, there's a fun tradition associated with the highest ranking ensigns. You're lieutenant, correct? Yeah. Okay. So lieutenant, so an O3 in in the military. Um, so goes ensign, lieutenant, junior grade, lieutenant. Uh, so on a submarine, there's about 12 to 13 officers in the wardroom and an officer as they're preparing to become a submariner you go to nuclear power school and then you go to prototype which is where you actually work on a real reactor in watch teams and you get to discover kind of how a watch team works and all that so you're an ensign for the majority of that you'll be an ensign for about two years and then you'll report to the boat as either a very very senior ensign or a very new lieutenant junior grade. So I reported to the boat as a, um, a very old ensign. And you actually, on the submarine, they call that being a bull ensign. So bull ensign, you have to write rules. This is all just part of the Navy tradition that have to be followed, and they're posted in the wardroom. So, for example, um, <laughs> these are like ridiculous rules. They're not, you know... <laughs> formal yeah. uh, formal rules that you set up. So, for example, some of the rules I made were that every time I would walk on the boat or off the boat on a Friday, the quarterdeck would have to, to ring me in. So normally when the captain walks on, there's a, a bell that's up there, and they'll ring the bell and announce the captain's arriving. So I had them do that for me as the ensign, <laughs> which is just ridiculous because right. you're you know so low-rank uh, <laughs> officer. And then I also had kind of a swear jar of sorts where when we were in the wardroom having a meal, if anybody said a curse word on, I think it was like a Wednesday because I didn't want to apply these rules all the time <laughs> on a Wednesday that you'd have to open this book called service etiquette. And you've probably never heard of service etiquette. This is the most ridiculous book I've ever seen. I mean, if you have any question as to where, and um, I don't know, like what order, you're supposed to go around a buffet in like clockwise or counterclockwise okay. or how your utensils are set up on a formal dining set or like, I don't know, how short your bathing shoot should be at the, the swimming pool. These are all answered in service etiquette. So if somebody swore, they'd have to read a sentence out of service etiquette in a British accent. So swearing on Wednesdays went down right. you know, exponentially <laughs> once that started. Um, then 
f- most people become lieutenant junior grades while while they're on the submarine, and the the wardroom will mostly be made up of lieutenant junior grades with a few lieutenants, um, and those lieutenants will be people ending their junior officer tour or the department heads. So a department head will be what I'll be going back to uh, following my time here at Virginia Tech as either a weapons officer, a navigator, or an engineer. So those are all lieutenants, except for an engineer who will be a lieutenant commander. Okay. When underway, every decision the submariners make is important and potentially costly. Alex and I talked about some costly decisions that he has witnessed, but they probably aren't what you might first be thinking of. All right, so one of the mistakes that I've made... Okay, one of the mistakes I've almost made many (laughs) times on the submarine, and this is kind of shameful to admit. So the the head, the toilet on board, um, when you flush that, it's essentially just a gravity drain. Okay, so whatever it is that came out just flows right down those pipes into a sanitary tank. And the only way to get those sanitary tanks off the boat when you're underway and they're full is you pressurize them with air and then blow them overboard. Okay, so the auxiliary division guys will go around and they'll hang up these signs that say, warning, sanitary tank, pressurized, do not flush the toilet, yeah. stuff like that. So, Because it's, it's just a ball valve, and you just mm-hmm. open it, and that, that's how it flushes, and you put some water in there. <laughs> but <laughs> I was saved uh, numerous times by the navigator <laughs> from flushing these toilets. I don't know. You know, it's ti- you're tired. It's the middle of the night. You just got off watch or something, and you're just like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. You don't even look at the sign. You just right. walk in there. And then I can just hear the nav being like, Krieg, are you in there? And I'm like, yeah, what's up, nav? And he's like, no, don't flush it. <laughs> so what happens when you flush these toilets and they're pressurized? Um, it's like a poo geyser. Right. If you could just imagine that. Yeah. And I've had buddies that have gone in there on midshipman cruises or on officer tours and they'll go to the bathroom and they'll flush that thing. And this poo geyser will spray them in their face. Oh, man. And it will go underneath of your eyelids. And you have to go to the corpsman on board so he can take a Q-tip and clean under your eyelids to get, <laughs> to get everything oh out of there. Um, wow. So you can go back on your way. And so in a similar story, before I ever reported to the submarine, um, and they were coming back from the deployment, I guess they were getting ready to blow sands overboard and the auxiliary division guys have to go through and they have to just do this valve lineup per procedure to make sure that the uh, contents gets routed directly overboard and not into some other um, system or space. So I don't know why, but the sanitary system is cross-connected to the ventilation system via one valve and i guess this guy was not following procedure again i was not there for this but <laughs> I, I got to enjoy the af- aftermath uh it was not he, he was not following procedure and he cross-connected the sanitary tank to the galley which is the kitchen and they blew sands directly into the oh, kitchen no. wow <laughs> right after mealtime all over everybody's food you know the cooking spaces and all that and so this is a few days before they got back. So when I arrived on the boat for my first day airport again, there was still that that mm. stale 
smell going yeah. around the air. And I was like, what is that? So everybody explained to me what happened. Right. <laughs> but uh, it never happened under my watch. <laughs> That's good, I suppose. <laughs> my interview with Alex was definitely enlightening when it comes to the experiences of submariners in the United States Navy. I encourage you to reflect once again on Alex's words from the last episode and be sure to thank members of the military and ask them about their service when you see them. We salute all members of the United States military. Thank you for your service and sacrifice. Life Experienced is hosted and produced by Ethan D. Smith and is primarily distributed via D-Sound, a decentralized audio sharing platform built on the Steam blockchain. For more information, visit dsound.audio. The music in this podcast is composed by Lee Rosevere and used under Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. For more information, visit freemusicarchive.org. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you like the podcast, be sure to share it with others. If you have an interesting experience that you want to share, please let me know by tweeting at Ethan D. Smith or visiting ethandsmith.com. And as always, for those of you still listening, I've saved my personal favorite of Alex's stories for last. I hope you enjoy. So following our deployment, uh, before we went over to Washington to get decommissioned, um, the Navy saw fit for our submarine to be used for prepping Gerard Butler for the upcoming Hunter Killer movie. It comes out in October. Everybody should see it. Um, so as part of that, we actually went on this underway on Mother's Day weekend where Gerard Butler from 300... Uh, and the director, I believe his name was Mark Donovan, actually rode along with us on the weekend. And so we gave him a set of coveralls, which is what we wear. We call them poopy suits. And we had commander rank insignia, which is what the captain wears. And we'd have to call him commander, butler, sir, or captain. Dress him just like we would the captain of our own submarine. And um, so it was just a really interesting experience the whole weekend whenever I would get off a watch. I would have to go to Commander Butler and brief <laughs> and brief him on <laughs> how my watch went. And you know, he had no idea what he was really talking about because you know, why would he? Um he's literally just picked up and placed into the shoes of a commanding officer mm-hmm. of a nuclear powered submarine. And so I'd brief him on, you know, what, what evolutions we did, what training I did. And he'd be like, oh, Lieutenant Krugel, excellent job. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then the real captain would be like, okay, wait a second. Like, what did you actually do and all right. this? Um, <laughs> and so he would go on the 1MC, which is the, the overhead speaker, and he would just say all this motivating stuff to the crew. And we'd all be like, yeah. And be like, hoorah, Houston, hoorah. Um, and... Really cool guy. I was really impressed yeah. with. He was just a normal, fun, right. cool right. guy, and so was the director. And uh, I mean, just one of my coolest experiences was it was I actually got to be the officer of the deck up on the the bridge, pulling the submarine back into Pearl Harbor, and uh, at the end of the weekend, and Gerard Butler was up there with me in his poopy suit, uh, you know, being my captain, right? As I as I moor the boat to the pier. 
And on the pier was all this paparazzi with all the cameras and stuff out. So I felt like they're all there for me. But, you know, of course. We, of course. You know we know who they're really there for. But real, really cool guy. Um, a lot of fun. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And once again, I'm Ethan Smith reminding you to get out there and experience life.